has come to stand for all we believe in. And so I for one, I'm going to give my praise to you. Come on, let's sing it out. Oh, and today, today is all or nothing. All the way, my praise goes out to you. Yeah, all the praise goes out to you. Lift your voice. And today, today I live for one thing. To give you praise in everything I do. Yeah, all the praise goes out to you. Sing all we are. Here we go. And all we are is yours. And all we're living for is all you are. Is all that you are. Sing it out. And all we are is yours. And all we're living for is all you are. Is all. Come on, just the voices in the bass. Come on. And all we are is yours. Come on, lift your voice today. Come on. It's all you are, so we are, and so we are is yours. All we're living for is all you are. It's all sing all we are, and all we are is yours. worships you, God. Father, it's our lives that worship you, Jesus. God, we come together as a body, as one. Father, just in intimacy, Father, to just praise you, Father. And your word says where two or three are gathered, there you are. Your spirit is. Your Holy Ghost is here. Oh, come on. Before we move any further in worship, just get that right now. God is in this place. Oh, come on, God. We want you to move. Oh, stir up hearts in this place, Jesus. Stir up hearts, God. Come on, just say, stir me up, Lord. 
Come on, that's a way to worship God. Say, stir me up, Jesus. Come on, put it in my heart, God. Put it in my mind. Transform my mind according to your word. I want to worship you. I was created to worship you, Lord. Come on.
over the retreat would you come to the front please we want to get you your baptism certificate as they come can we give them a hand clap amen Cynthia would you come up here and help me hand these out would you guys just stand here in the front we just want to give you these certificates today and as we do we want to thank the Lord for you we know that a lot of you you know you're young we got the young ones right here and if you live the rest of your life for Jesus you'll be so thankful You'll be so thankful, trust me. You won't wake up one day and go, man, I wish I would have drank more. I wish I would have got pregnant, girls pregnant more. I wish I would have got arrested more. Trust me, you're not going to wake up and do that. But you know what? There's people in jail right now waking up going, I wish I lived for Jesus. There's people with jacked up families going, I wish I would have did it right for Jesus. And so young people, we just thank the Lord for you. And uh, you got baptized, and that was really special. And we just want to pray for you. So elders and deacons, would you just come behind them? Congregation, would you just stretch your hands towards them? And let's just bless them today and honor them for making that decision for the Lord. God, we thank you today for Demeli. We just pray you bless her, continue to strengthen her, God, and all that she does. May she always live for you, God, all the days of her life. God, send her the husband at the right time, family at the right time. Let her grow up, God, strong in you, educated, fulfilling the purpose and plan you have for her life, Lord. Guard her, protect her from the things of this world, oh, Father God. And I thank you today, God, for Adam and Alec, these two wonderful brothers. God, I just pray you bless each one of them. Let them continue to love you and serve you all the days of their life. God, they, Adam has confessed a call of God on his life to go to SUM Bible College. Lord, let him be that minister you've called him to be, God. And even as Alec is going to school, God, let him continue to study, God. But never to forget about you, to always put you first. And whatever he does, God, school, sports, friends, hanging out, music, God, come first in his life and bless these young men. God, let not only them be blessed, but let their children and their children's children be blessed because of these decisions they made as teenagers. And Lord, I thank you for this young man today. God bless him. May he never forget you to always live for you, to love you, to be a passionate worshiper for you. That's what catches my attention when I come. I always see him worshiping you. May he follow you, keep your commands, be obedient to his parents, and Lord, be the man that you called him to be. Lord, I thank you for each one of these young people that were baptized, that dedicated their life to you. Now bless their families through their testimony. Let them grow strong in you, to love you all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, can we get a good amen from the congregation? Amen. Praise God. Elders and deacons, would you just give them a big hug? Let them know you love them. And y'all, would you stand up and just greet each other right now as we play a welcome video. Welcome to Metro Praise. Find three people you haven't seen for a while. Welcome them to church. So good to see you. Don't be a stranger. Just want to welcome you guys here.
Amen. If you want to make your way back to your seat this morning, so good to see everybody. Welcome to Metro Praise. God is here in the building this morning. I don't know about you, but uh, I had to fight a little bit this week against uh, sickness. Did anybody have to fight this week against some sickness? Anybody? We rebuke that spirit of sickness in Jesus' name. Amen. We just pray right now for all the people that are sick. I know my wife is at home sick, and I know there's many others dealing with that this season. God, we just pray for healing across your congregation, God, across your people. We command these viruses to be broken and to stop over this city that are spreading everywhere we go. It seems like I hear someone else is sick. Lord, bring purity, cleansing, cleanliness, uh, take away the viruses, and heal those who are sick. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. So we're just believing God for healing. I know I was out for about two or three weeks, uh, two or three days, not weeks. That would be tough, but uh, two or three days. And then Nancy, she's fighting, but we're going to believe God that she's even healed right now. And for your family members, we just want to welcome you to Metro Praise. We are coming off that retreat weekend. How many had a good time Sunday night, the Holy Ghost car wash? Just a, amen. <laughs> just just whoosh i mean the holy ghost is just here pouring on us and i just want to thank you guys for being faithful coming out and supporting now it's time to start our year i know you've already been in this year i mean we're here 2012 but hopefully now you've been empowered with some fresh words some dreams uh, some goals and you know that god is with you we we got a fresh dose of the holy ghost amen and so believe with me that great things will happen this year Many of you are still consecrating time. That's wonderful. But let's get to work and make this a great year. Amen. Amen. So we wanted to welcome you this morning to our 9 a.m. service. Every Sunday at 9 and 11, we have great services here. Wednesday, Encounter Night. Did anybody enjoy the ice cream social? Amen. Some of you guys came out. It was a good time. Keep coming out to those and enjoy them. There are just times on Wednesdays. The last Wednesday of every month is a time for you and your family. And then all the other Wednesdays of the month are services with Royal Rangers and Impact for boys and girls. Think of it like boys and uh, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And then Elevate. Come on, teenagers, amen. Every Friday at 7.30. Adam, you got a new uh, month coming up, February. What are some things they can look forward to? Amen. I- <laughs> See, the youth are laughing now because it's an inside joke. I told them I, I want to do something with Jesus and chocolate. Because you know how we have Valentine's Day? I still haven't figured it all together. And they all laugh like, what's it going to look like? Jesus and chocolate. But this past Friday, we just had our, our worship night. And it was just an awesome time, like full-out worship the entire night. Generally, we have a normal service. But, I mean, the students were blessed. It was just an awesome time. So that's what's coming up. Amen. So you had a worship night Friday night. It was powerful, huh? This past Friday, yes, But sir. Jesus and chocolate, I think, is every woman's two best friends. <laughs> Every woman's two best friends, Jesus and chocolate. They can do without a guy, you know, but give them Jesus, give them some chocolate. They're all right. They're straight. So that's wonderful, man. Do something special, Valentine's. That's great. Amen. So we just want to invite you to join with us as God is moving. Our vision is to love God, love people. Can everybody say love God? Can you say love people? Can you look at your neighbor and say people like you? I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are here to love people just like you. You are lovable. You are awesome. And our strategy is to connect you to the cross, to mentor you with the cross, and send you out with the cross. And we believe the best way to start being a part of the vision that God's given us is to join one of our life groups. Is there anybody here that gets life in life groups? Can we make some noise? Come on. Woo! Come on. Life in life groups is where it's at. 
I was studying this week about life groups in the church, some of the best testimonies around the world, around the world, Latin America, India, Brazil, China, Korea are coming from life groups. Because, you know, you just can't fit everybody into a building all the time and schedules are different. Sometimes people even have a hard time coming on Sundays because of work schedules. But you know what I love about life groups? You have seven for adults, three for youth, meeting different times, different days, so you can get together, do a Bible study, pray with one another, and then be empowered to live for Jesus. And while you're there, you can say, hey, would you mentor me? And one of the life group leaders will take you through this awesome book, Seven Steps to Spiritual Growth. Is anybody excited about spiritual growth in this church? Amen. And if you go through this, before you know it, you'll be in the 201 right here. And that's a Sunday school class. I know I got some 201ers in the house. Can you all make some noise? Amen. This whole section right here is packed with the 201ers we have right now here. And so it's about 30 people. God is blessing them. Join the vision. Connect to the cross. Get in a life group. Begin to get mentored. Start the 101 book and then get uh, into the 201 and be sent out to change the world. That's what we believe we can do for 50 congregations here in Chicago with 100,000 disciples and 50 around the world. If you believe we can do it, can you say, let's do it? Amen. Praise God. Thank you for believing in us. And that's what Metro Praise is all about. And this is one of the ways we accomplish the vision is in our discipling process, you could actually call it a 301. Everybody go 301. Amen. We, we say this kind of imitates college. So this is a 101. This uh, is a 201. And if you wanted to know technically what is the 301 in our church, it is the Bible college. Now, of course, we encourage everybody to do the 101 and 201, but this is for a select few. This is for the Navy SEALs, the creme de la creme. These are for people called into full-time ministry. We already have about 14 students right now, and we want to recruit another 10 because about 12 of them are graduating in May. So this is for all the radical seniors that feel God has put a call on your life, or you are, as a young adult, you've been looking for direction, and you think that being in the ministry, doing what you see here, preaching and teaching, or ministering to the children, outreaching is for you. We want you to be here. It's going to be the SUM Spiritual Emphasis Rally, and it's going to be February 4th, a Saturday at 5 p.m. Can everybody say amen? Okay, this is not for everybody, but this is for those chosen few. So if you are a senior or a junior and you want to come, these are this is our college days. We want you to be there. Or if you're a young adult or any age adult, you could be uh, 50, 60, 70 years old. So I'm a professor in the college. Some of our students go as close up to 60 years old. You're never too old if this is what you want to be. Amen. Just to give you a little description about it. We have information in the back. And sum.edu is the college. It's fully accredited. It's fully accredited. That means as accredited as UIC is, Northwestern, as any colleges in our city is accredited. This is accredited. People get financial grants and loans to go to the school. All the credits are transferable, and they get their Bachelor's of Arts degree in three years instead of four. Because it's a Bible college, we say let's save them money on tuition and time. And so they do three semesters a year. So it's tri-semesters, and in three years you get your Bachelor's of Arts degree. That's what I got. 
And then I went on to get my master's degree, and I'm a professor there now. Amen? So this is those of you who are radical parents. If you have young people or friends, even if they go to other churches and you're looking at their life, and you might think they have a call of God on them, have them come and join us. This is a, a school that we host here. It's done via webcast live classes and some that I teach. And there's about 25 locations, about 500 students around America right now. Can we say amen for them? Praise God. And that's where Mardi Gras will be with the Bible College. And so our students go out there as well. Just want to let you know about our update. We did click up that number a whole bunch over from one week to the other. So let's bless the Lord for over $5,754. Amen. Some of you heard the cry of my heart. And so I want to encourage you today to keep giving towards our building fund. It's something that we're doing at the beginning of the year. So would you open up uh, your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And usher should have passed out to you the envelopes. And uh, we have pledge seats that are for your benefit. If you need a pledge seat, it is for you. You can raise your hand. One of the ushers will give that to you now. But uh, most of you have already received those. And we have them in the back if you ever lose yours. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. We are at the time in our ministry where we put everything on the line and we've used everything that God gave us from 2011. And for us to move successfully into 2012, we need your help. Okay, let me give you an example about this. Our minivan is on its last leg. If we do not replace it, we will be out of van. And instead of bringing as many people as we brought the church last year, we'll be bringing less people. And I've already just spoke to Brother Benny. He's our mechanic. Can we give it up for Brother Benny over there? Amen. That's Brother Benny. I just talked to him. He did all the repairs he could. Uh, he gave the work to the Lord. He just bought the parts. We're just buying the parts. He dedicated all of his work to the Lord. And he's did as much as he can for it. And he says, this is probably its last leg. Now, if somebody has a minivan, they want to donate or something, we've received that before. But the easiest way is to go out and buy one. So about $5,000, we are raising $25,000. About $5,000 of that's going to go to our vehicles. So 2011, did we use our vehicle? Amen. We used it well. We, we, we used it. We beat it up. Amen. There's not much left of it, okay? Well, we need to replace it. Well, we've used all the things that we've had here. We need to replace some of those things. The chairs in the student room and the, the fellowship room back there, those plastic chairs have about seen their last day. Amen. And so we need to replace some of those things. We need to replace some of the furniture in the back. And that's about $9,000. And we need some better signage so more people can find this because it's a little hard with the signs we have. And that's about 9000 of future growth plus the 5000 of vehicle. That's 14000 Okay, so that's just right there to maintain what we've already had. And then we need to clear out 11000 of past debt, things that we've already bought and have been using. And I put out an urgent plea last week, and I said, if we don't receive at least 5000 this week, we're going to have a hard time paying rent for February. So you guys came in, we, we met that goal, but we still need to keep paying off the rest. We have at least another 6000 that we have to tap into to pay, okay? Now, I know some of you are going to get tax returns, and that may not be this week or next week, but it's coming. You need to give that the best you can to the Lord, okay? That's what my wife and I are doing. We're going to give our best to the Lord at a time when we're getting back the best that we have. I mean, a lot of times we look to that and we go, that's a great blessing. Let's give that to the Lord and sow a seed. 
Others of you, you haven't been faithful in tithing. We're going to ask you. We're pleading with you. Please do that. You're welcome to come without a tithe. But if this is your church, you need to help us. Because by you being here, you know, you're taking up a seat. Your children are being watched. You're receiving our free gifts. Well, if you, you can't help out, eventually that begins to hurt us because you know you can't. You know you can. Now, some of us may say, Pastor, I'm going through a tough time. Well, we get that. But don't rob God and then ask him to bless you. You come to the church, you receive from it, give back to it. Amen. It means something to you. What, what do you think it means to the community? All the lives we see changed. 16 people were baptized, 160 at the retreat. About 60% of the retreat was scholarship. Only about 40% could pay. But when we all get together and do our part, we make a difference. Amen. And I want to talk to you about sowing a seed here. Luke 6, 38. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I have uh, Isha up here. He's been on the financial team and some of the elders and deacons here and people who have been with me for a while. And they will tell you that I absolutely hate talking about money. As comfortable as you see me right now, as energetic on the inside, I'm cringing. Because I know what it means to people when they're suffering and a pastor talks about giving they take it as an insult people a lot of times say doesn't don't they know doesn't the pastor know we're in a recession we're hurting this pastor's talking about raising 25,000 I don't even have 25 dollars I cringe because I know how that feels I also cringe because I know the church has been given such a bad reputation that when an honest pastor and I know I'm an honest pastor I know me okay I know I'm honest men here know I'm honest when an honest pastor actually gives a plea and says, guys, we really need this, and this is really where it's going, it's so hard for people to trust because they've been burnt so many times. So in a perfect world, it would be easy for me to talk about finances. It would just be church, this is where we're at, this is what we need. Okay, let's get her done. Uh, one of the reasons why we put the boxes there is because we don't want you to have to feel like it's uh, you know something that we're putting you on the spot for. We do believe in the biblical principle of bringing it up, but if you want to put it in the back, that's up to you. Put it online. We did that because others were coming to us saying, we don't have checks, we don't carry cash, can I just give through a card? That was a person asking me that, that asked me God to put online. And I've even had people come to this church who have been a part of other churches, not, not to say anything negative, but other churches, and you know this, can focus more on finances. And I've actually had some good people come to me and go, Joe, we don't think you talk about it enough. Like, we, we understand you don't want to go so far into it where you make us feel bad. But sometimes you don't talk about it enough to teach us how to be blessed. You, you, just, you just tell us quickly and go on. Give us some principles. I've actually heard that. So it's never easy for me. Are you all listening to me? But can I just share a principle with you as a pastor? As a pastor. This scripture is spoken to us. Give, and it will be given to you. Who said that, y'all? What color is that in your Bible if you got the red print? That's red, amen? Now, is Jesus messing with us? Is he a used car salesman? Is he, as we used to say in the south, is he shucking and jiving? Come on, somebody, look at your neighbor and say, Jesus don't shuck and jive, baby. Come on, is Jesus shucking and jiving with us? Is he is he is he one of those people selling holy water in a in a in a, in a rag? What do they sell on the TV these days? 
or the special angel pin that's going to, angel's going to represent your angel that follows you everywhere, the crazy things that people come up with. The Bible, Jesus is teaching us a principle that the way we get blessed in his, in his kingdom is by giving. And I remember a story in Korea. One of my favorite pastors, Pastor David Young Ji Cho in South Korea, Seoul, Korea, was starting a church after the Korean War. Decimated country, just poor. Nothing was left. And now we see the result of that. North and South Korea, they split apart. And there was an old World War II tent, excuse me, Korean tent from the Korean War that they had left there, some of the soldiers. And he started a church in there. He said, well, let's start a church. Let's go to the tent. It was him. His wife, his wife's mother-in-law, uh, the wife's mom, his mother-in-law, and two kids, okay? Five of them started a church in a World War II Korean, old Korean war tent. He started preaching. He just started saying, God's going to bless us. God's going to use us. And then God told him, God said, start preaching to them like you're preaching to the largest church in the world because that's what I'm going to give you if you're faithful. That's what he heard from the Lord. So he started preaching, God is going to move in our nation. And they would plug their ears and they would say, Pastor Cho, what are you doing? There's only like six of us here. You're preaching so loud. He said, but God told me I want to build the largest church in the world. Six people, old World War II tent in Korea. They ended up getting a couple hundred people coming in that tent. Revival started breaking out. People started getting healed. Then about 500 started coming. Then 1,000 came. And there was no way they could fit there. So they all came together. This was right after the Korean War. They're decimated. They don't have anything. So he says to his people, he goes, we've got to save up and get some land and buy a building. Well, in those days in his country, when you bought a property, you would have to build on it. And if you couldn't build on it, you would lose the property. So they had to step out in faith and first buy the land, and then they had to buy, uh, you know, the supplies to build the property. But if they couldn't do that, they would lose the land. Long story short, they bought the land, and they couldn't get the, the building on the land. And they're about ready to lose it. And he's at his last service telling the people, all night prayer meeting. You know the pastor's going to be praying then, amen? All night prayer meeting. We're praying that God is going to bless us. We don't have any money, and the little bit that we have, we gave to the land, and if we don't get the building on there, we're going to lose the land. True story. And in the middle of that prayer meeting, an old woman from Korea, just brought up in the villages, who had probably moved to the city to find a job. Just, you know, the country was just in ruins. It was starting to rebuild. She came up with her rice pot. Some of you have heard this story, but it's such a blessing to me. Let it encourage you. Came up with her rice pot and her chopsticks. She said, Pastor, I have heard you say this for the last month over and over again, and I don't have anything to give. But what, I'm, what I have, I'm giving right now because I, I have to know that I gave everything I could to this. Because she said, I believe in this. And the pastor, he felt so bad. Pastor Cho, he said, no, no. I cannot take this from you. What are you going to eat with? She says, I'll cook the rice. I'll put it on the newspaper. She said, I'll eat with my hands. I won't need the bowl and I won't need the chopstick. He said, we won't even be able to use it. We, we, we need money for the building. We won't even be able to use it. This is in front of people. He's trying to tell her, take it back, take it back. And then she eventually says, she says, Pastor, if everybody's giving something, can I give what I have? Just let me give it. Let me give it to the Lord. 
And she sat it there. The pastor was just weeping. Dr. Cho was weeping. And at that moment, businessmen began to come up and lay their watches at the altar. People began to give whatever they had in their savings. And they said, Pastor, this church is a hope for us and our families and our nation. You've saved, God has saved us here. You've brought Jesus to us. We don't want to have this stuff. Do you know that today that church has over 700,000 members? The largest church in the world, 700,000 members is in Seoul, Korea. Look it up online, largest church in the world. Because people said we'll give sacrificially. My friends, can we knock this out? Can we start putting our best on the line? And believe that what God said and the story is that those people who believed in the kingdom of God first, because Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Do you know that their, their government began to grow, jobs began to grow, that their economy began to grow, and you can look that they were prospering right along with us, but now they're in a recession. But up until that time, they were prospering right along with us, building some of the best businesses of Asia coming from South Korea. And many, many, many of them are Christians who God blessed. Why? Because what they gave, it was given back to them. Pressed down. This is how they used to give wheat. When you when you would go to a place and say, I want to buy some wheat, uh, you know, they could put the wheat into a bag and it would it would be pretty, pretty fluffy. And then, and, 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 you know, kind of like uh, like popcorn or something like uh, that we would have today that you could easily fluff up. But when you wanted to get the real deal, they would pack it down. They would say, no, we're not just going to make, you know, like a bag of chips. You ever get that, all the air comes out, like a little bit at the bottom. You guys with me? No, but it packed it down. The Bible says, give, and it shall be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together so more can fit in. Running over will be poured into your lap. Come on, slap your knees, slap your lap right there. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I just want to ask you to be generous. Generous may be different to every one of us here. Generous may be a pot and some rice sti- uh, chopsticks. Another one, generous, may be $10,000. You know what God's placed in your hands to give. And remember that the measure you use, it's given back to you. Amen? Would you stand up with us, please, today? Thank you for hearing my heart. When you give, if you just mark building fund, it will go to the building fund. We want to continue to support our missionaries. And I want to thank you for that. That's been going on faithfully. Even as we're raising money for the building fund, we haven't lost out on the missions. Thank you for that. They're doing good this month. They all send you their regards. They can't wait to be with you soon by Skype and Facebook during spring. So continue to pray for them as God is moving in their nation. And especially Nigeria. Nigeria is just having a tough time right now uh, with, with the Muslims, those extremists. Pray for the peace of Nigeria as you lift up the other nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your blessings in our lives. We thank you that you're faithful to us, God, when we're faithful to you. Lord, you could have said, just give it to me and I'll give you heaven and you won't get nothing until you get there. And we would have lived with that. But Lord, you're so good, you're better than that. You don't just have us wait till we get to heaven. You said if we give now to you on this earth, on this earth it's given back to us. On this earth you will provide for us and bless us. So Lord, I pray for blessings upon your people. I pray for generosity, God. 
not for a man, not for one person, but for the sake of this community and the hundreds of families that are touched here and the vehicles that bring them to and forth from here and the teenagers that are reached from the youth group and the computers and the after-school programs. God, all that you do here, would you keep doing it? And Lord, those that are given sacrificially, I pray that prayer blessing that you spoke here, that God, you will give it back to them through promotions, raises, new job opportunities, creative ideas, re-education, realignment, blessings upon our economy and our businesses, good deals at a good price, and preserving all that we have with good health and prosperity. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can you say amen? Amen. We believe in giving offering, which is above, we believe in tithes, which is 10% of our income and offerings. And today's offering, if you could give it to building and missions, you would certainly be a great blessing to us. Let's say what Paul said on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as we knock this debt out today? Thank you. God bless you. chapter 28 verse 18 we look at your neighbor and say it's good to see you neighbor come on tell your neighbor it's good to see him welcome to metro praise we are in the midst of a series on the nine mountains of influence we are chugga chugga choo choo and along and we are already at number five the mountain of media and arts today's lesson is going to be awesome as always the theme scripture is matthew 28 18 and I pray that you will see how to make a difference in this world. Mountain is a place we all look up to. Influence is an attribute that brings change to another individual or group of people. We want to be on the mountains of society and culture bringing change. And one of the best ways to bring a culture to change is through media. Did you know that all of our culture today uses media to get its message across, whether it's politicians. How many have watched any debates in the Republican Party right now? Anybody keeping up with politics? Four of you? Okay. That's all right. How many of you ever watched a sports game? Okay, let's raise our hands. Don't you be shy now. How many have watched TV this week? How many have had any time to do that? Okay. You know that everybody wants to get our attention through media and arts. Everybody wants to. And we're going to learn today how to be at the top of that mountain. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. Let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make what? Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Can we all say verse 20 together? One, two, three. And teaching them everything commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you. God has asked us to be disciples that make disciples. He has asked us to be people of influence, teaching the world, the nations, 
what he taught us. Jesus taught us to love our neighbor. We should teach others that, shouldn't we? Jesus taught us to do good to those who are angry and mean to us, to love our enemies. We should teach others that. Jesus taught us to put the kingdom of God first and to break the heart of greed. We should teach people the same thing, not to love money, to seek God first. God told us to take care of our children and raise them up in the teachings of God. We should teach that everywhere we go. God taught us to be honest, not to lie, but to tell the truth, to respect and to honor our authorities and those above us and our parents. He told us not to have adulterous affairs. He told us not to blaspheme his name. How many believe these things we call the commandments are good teaching? They're good teaching. Amen. They're things we should teach everywhere. Like I said, if we went to a job where we were talking about the mountain of business and you and your company, uh, Ish works for Pepper. I saw their big building downtown, probably one of many. Let's say Pepper brought in maybe all 5,000 of their employees, however many they have, 1,000 plus. And they said, Joe, we want you to motivate them to be the best workers for Pepper they can be. Now, we don't want you to get all into the religious aspect and to try to get them born again, but would you just use the principles of the Bible to teach them to be better workers? How many know I could do that from the Bible? I could say afterwards, if you want to learn how to be born again, come see me. But I could use just the Bible, and I could say all of you here, the Bible is my book today. Some people use Lee Iacocca's book. Some people use Henry Ford's book. But I'm just going to use the Bible. All workers, you need to be hardworking and honest. Now, do you think at any point, when I say all workers need to be hardworking and honest, you think any manager is going to stand up and go, hold on a minute, hold up, hardworking and honest, I disagree with that. You think anybody's going to disagree with that? Or when I say to Pepper, okay, now, Pepper, what you need to be is you need to be kind and you need to be generous and you need to be considerate of your customers. Do you think one of those sales managers is going to stand up and go, hold on there a minute, preacher, We don't want anybody being kind to our customers. What I'm trying to say is the principles of change that even the world recognizes come from the Bible, sir. Come from the Bible long before Henry Ford, long before Rockefeller, long before Donald Trump. Right here. This is is how we become successful in life. Greatest nation in the world built on these principles right here. So when the Bible says, go out and make disciples teaching the nations to obey, we take that serious at Metro Praise. And we want to ask you to find your mountain, to find your place. All of us can have a part of these nine mountains we've been talking about. But there is going to be probably one, two at the most, where God is going to call you to own that mountain. And this may be that one for you today, because today is media and arts. And like never before... We have the opportunity to use media and arts for the glory of God. There are so many young people here that want to work in the video game industry, graphic designs, websites. You know, websites, just in my generation, weren't even around 10 years ago. We didn't even think about it. 10 years ago, they were just starting. It would have never been something you would have thought everybody would have had. But now you have a website. It's called Facebook. You have a place on the web that tells all about you and your life and what you ate last night. And if it upset your tummy a little bit, how many can say TMI? Sometimes people get a little TMI on Facebook. You're like, really, you could have kept that to yourself. You know what I'm saying. Come on. You have a website. It's called your Facebook. 
You probably would never even realize that. You wouldn't have realized that you are carrying around. If you have any type of a smartphone on you that has at least 16 gigabytes of memory, mine has 64. If you have anything like that in your pocket, you are holding in your pocket uh, greater knowledge and computing ability than the computer that sent NASA, that sent the, uh, the spaceship to the moon the very first time. The Apollo mission. They didn't even have a computer that had 64 gigs. This has 64 gigs. They only had a computer with a few gigabytes. Are you listening to me? You wouldn't have thought you would have been texting as much as you were. I remember when I heard texting coming out, it was like, oh, man, it's just lame. If I want to talk to somebody, I'll just call them. How many thought that at first? It was just texting wasn't worth it. And then all of a sudden, you, you got the point. You're like, oh, I can just say a sentence and not have to call you and ask you how you're doing. And Sometimes it doesn't make things better. Maybe it makes things worse. But we've gotten so used to this. And, and growing up. I remember growing up, in, and it's not like I grew up in the 1920s, okay? I mean, I just remember growing up in the 80s and having a TV where when you clicked it, it made a big noise. It's like click, 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 click. And, and you would go through like about 10 stations. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just click, click. And then you would set up the antenna, and then when it wouldn't work, you would just kind of beat it a little bit like poof. I was just teasing my mom about this because my mom is like me. She's so tenacious. She always has to fix everything. And I feel so bad for her because the electronic age has surpassed her because the last thing that she remembers was setting up an antenna going poof, poof. And I feel so bad because now she can't set up the email by beating it, you know. But, you know, how many new electronics, whether it was your Nintendo game or your TV, your radio, just a good little beating would help that thing work better. And, and, and I just remember that click, ten channels. We just got cable. I mean, I think we have 300 channels on cable. I mean, you guys would probably know some of you better than me, but at least that many. It is unbelievable what technology has done, media and the arts. And what I want to do is I want to have you watch this video and begin to get an understanding that we are all being affected by this, and we can make change through this. And there's some here that may have a calling to actually be the next web designer. Be the next movie star, TV star. And you may be surprised about where some of these guys that we watch now, where they came from and who they used to be and what they believed in. So uh, would you play that video uh, for me, please, Ellie? Thank you. You and I might spend about 70 to 80 years on this earth. Not long when you consider the timeline of eternity. Have you ever wondered what life is all about? Every day we get bombarded with the message to pursue the things of this world. Make money, get stuff, be comfortable, live well. More, 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 and me, me, me. That's the prevailing message of our day. Our generation has a hijacked version of the American dream. But as Christians, we know deep down this distorted view of life isn't real life. We read what the Bible teaches, and we see how Jesus lived. Every day we face a choice to pursue the me, me, me mindset of the American dream or to pursue Christ. What if this generation was willing to trade in the pursuit of the American dream for a world that desperately needs Christ to be traders? A trader is a new kind of missionary, not defined by geography. Where you live doesn't make you a missionary. The mission you're on makes you a missionary. Being a trader is a movement that requires us to live out our faith, not just talk about it. As a trader, we must choose daily to sacrifice and be intentional with our time, money, and skills. We can be like the Good Samaritan in the parable. When we're on the road of life and see someone in need, we choose to help. 
we follow Jesus' instructions to go and do likewise. A trader must hate injustice and find specific ways to bring the hope found in Jesus to desperate situations. It's easy to identify what you hate. What makes your heart break and your fists clench? A trader sees work as worship. Everything you do in life, including your job, can be an opportunity to worship the God who created you. Because God is glorified when we use our God-given passions and skills with excellence. And finally, a trader must act swiftly, because the time is right now. The result of all this would be a generation of traders who are making choices with their time, money, and passions that are kingdom-focused and not self-focused, so that our short time here can have an eternal impact. Amen. Let's give it up for traders. Come on. See, I want you to make a trade today for the ungodly entertainment in media and arts, for the godly entertainment in media and arts that God wants to use. Make a trade on what you watch with your kids. Make a trade on where you spend your money to go to the movies. Make a trade on what, down, what you download to listen to. Make a trade on maybe some of the fashion things you wear. To make a trade, instead of going after the American dream, chase the kingdom of God. Make a trade today because in the media and arts, they're asking for your dollar right now. The only difference between them and your preacher is they use lies to get that money from you. They show you that fast food commercial, and it's always those skinny college, young adults, sexy people. They don't show you Bubba eating that Big Mac, do they? They don't, oh, I just want another Big Mac. They don't show you with that. Come on, they show you all the fun of, of, of owning these cars and things. They don't show you the people going to the bankruptcy law, law firm saying, I can't afford this. They're not showing you the real picture. I want you to look at three things that we're going to talk about today in, in media and arts. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about art and movies. Here are three things that people are trying to get your money, your time, your attention. And your money is valuable. Your, your time is valuable. And they're trying to get it right now. But I think if you trade it in for the kingdom of God, you'll make a greater difference than you ever thought. Let me just give you a quick example. Two hours in front of the TV, or excuse me, two hours at the movie theater, 15 bucks a ticket plus popcorn, maybe $50 for two of you to go all together in two hours. What would have happened if you would have showed up last night at Wicker Park, gave $50 for hot chocolate, and gave two hours to evangelizing? Or what if you had taken that $50, went to the high school, stood out there, gave them some free candy, some free drinks, and low taste for Jesus, and spent two hours with young people? What if you would have spent that two hours, husband and wife, just instead of being at a movie, looking across from each other, and got her some nice chocolate and roses? Come on, somebody. You'll be surprised what will happen when you make a trade for what you and I just give to media and entertainment without even thinking about it. If you'll start making a trade, I believe God will use you. Here's some things in the Bible you might not ever have known that media and arts were always around in the Bible. Look at this. In Miriam's day in Exodus, she was a music singer. She was kind of like the Christian Britney Spears of her day. The Bible says after they crossed the Red Sea, Marion picked up a tambourine, started dancing, choreographed dancing. She taught the dance to everybody else and wrote a song and had everybody sing along with her. I mean, you want to talk about showing up to a Vegas show or showing up somewhere to a concert? Miriam did that in the Bible. One of the first women singers and performers getting the crowd to work with her. And I know some of you go, that's kind of corny. No, that's exactly what it was. 
It was a concert. They loved it. Matter of fact, still to this day, you go to Jewish weddings, they're not quiet and they're not boring. They're singing, jumping, dancing. That's, that's a part of their culture. Miriam was one of the first. She was Moses' sister. The next thing that you see is David. I mean, how can we talk about the arts without talking about David? Music, songwriting, poetry. You ever looked at the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms is right there, 150 songs about Jesus. And if you look at the titles, he'll say, you know, this is a song that's supposed to be put to this kind of music, and the band is supposed to be Asaf and his band. And he'll even name off some of the leaders in the band that he was giving this to to make his music. And there wasn't a celebration after the time of David. There wasn't a Jewish celebration where they weren't singing and dancing to the songs of David. He was the first YMCA at the wedding. You know, you go to a wedding now, every wedding has the electric slide and YMCA. Everybody at every wedding, let's sing one of those songs of David. And they actually not only had choreographed dancing, they would have flags and banners. They would have singers. They had all the instruments. Just look at Psalms 149 or Psalms 150. Matter of fact, let's just look there right now. Amen. Go to Psalms 149. You'll get an idea of how radical David was. David wasn't just writing some hymn. We think about these hymns. Matter of fact, most of you don't know that hymns were an imitation of the music of the Middle Ages. Why are hymns mostly boring and set to a waltz? Like, dun 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 Why are they like that? Because that was the music style of their day. But you go back to the Jewish days, there wasn't a waltz going on. There was clapping. There was drums. I mean, it was tribal. They were a tribe. The Israelites were tribes. Are you listening to me? Look at Psalms 149. And if I could have Ish just run up here, I might have him make some noise. Ishmael, would you run up here for me and put those drums up nice and loud and do I have another guitar player here? Do I have a guitar player in the house? Adam, he stepped out. Man, look, go grab Adam for me, please, Berto. He's around here somewhere. We're going to make some of these noises today. Can you say amen? Look at Psalms 149, and uh, as, as we hear about some of these things, we can make some of the noise here. Come on. Come on, Psalms. Let's go to Psalms uh, 150 is better, 150. Okay, let's give it up for Adam. Come on, Adam. Psalms 150, praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His acts of power, praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Now, how many know God already gave you three, uh, at least two or three instruments? Your first instrument's your voice, your second instrument's your hands, and you can start stomping your feet a little bit, amen? You've already got some instruments. Now it says here, uh, praise Him with the sound of a trumpet. So we need a trumpeteer in the church. Amen. Anybody play trumpet want to join the band? How about this one? Praise him with the harp and lyre. It's you, dude. Harp and lyre. Yes. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. See? The tambourine. Praise him with the strings. Let's go back to the strings. And then the flute. Okay, we got this. We got this. We, you got a little bit out of here because now, now praise him with the clash of symbols. Praise with resounding symbols. Now, verse six, we're all going to do. Let everything that has breath. Are you, you have breath? Come on, take a deep breath. Now praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate that. Thank you. Helping me out today. 
If you ever wonder why we have an electric drum set, this is why. Because when they get wild and crazy back there, we just turn them down. We just turn them down. See, when we didn't have an electric drum set, they were beating and making all of our ears go like this. But I'll just go back there now and I'll just go, Ellie, just turn it down a little bit. Amen. How about this? Number three, craftsmen, art, pottery, and engraving into wood. Second Chronicles talks about there were craftsmen, artists, uh, carpenters who didn't just build a house. They built beautiful houses. They didn't just put up a two-by-four. They engraved that two-by-four. They made pottery. They made stones engraved with images, angels on some of those stones. Number four, craftsmen, fashion, and clothing art. The Bible talks about these women and men, even men, you know, tailors. Even today we understand Versace and, uh, you know, Gucci and these designers. There were designers in the Bible that made the priest's clothes. You want to talk about bling? The priest's clothes had 12 different types of gems on a golden breastplate. Are you listening to me? Ellie, can you even find a picture like that? You want to talk about bling. You know how right now some of the the fashion, Ed Hardy, is it Hardy? Harley? Hardy. Okay, Harley motorcycles, Hardy clothes, right? And he's famous, you know, for putting on the, the rhinestones and the gems. Let's look at the priestly robe, if we could get it up here. Twelve different types of gems on a golden breastplate. These men had to be fashionable. They, I mean, they had to be good tailors to make that good fashion. Here we go. That's what it, that's what it looked like. Come on, somebody say bling, bling. Now, there was a reason they did that, and it was unto God. Yes, that was unto God. But how many know there was some little kid walking around in, in the tribe of Israel going, Hey, I want a shirt that looks like that. I want a shirt that looks like that. And then you know some dude like, you know, and I met some of these guys, Italian guys like Guido. You know some guys like, hey, kid, I'll make one for you. Ten bucks, ten bucks. And you know he went out there, put a couple seashells on a shirt and gave it to her. You know that was, I mean, come on, keep it real. Their Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. We may have, like, uh, uh, you know, new inventions, but they're always for the same purpose, to clothe us, to communicate, etc. And so clothing fashion was back then. And then Jesus. Do you know that Jesus was a storyteller? With his parables, painting the most visual picture you could possibly imagine, what we would call theater. Think about when he says the Good Samaritan. Going down the road. People knew the road, the road of Jericho. I know that road. It's right there. I can see him just telling Peter, Peter, get up. You're going to act this out. And as he walked down the road, and Peter's walking down the road, it was just a natural part of their life was to demonstrate things. Theater, music, arts, and crafts was all in your Bible. Did you know Satan was a worship leader? Did you know that as Satan's main gift in heaven was to sing? As a matter of fact, God made Satan. You ever seen a hummingbird as it moves its wings? Have you ever seen that? It makes noise. Do you know what the Bible says? That as Satan moved, he made beautiful noise. That he was an angel that had music built into him. And so the most comparison that I can think of is like a hummingbird. That as Satan himself moved, he made music. Why do you think so much of music today is about the worship of ourself and the worship of other things, sex, money, and drugs? Why? Because Satan has taken it over. But Satan used to worship God in heaven. And the Bible says that he got jealous of God's worship. You know, look at me. I'm, I'm up here. And when the worship group's up here, imagine if I always just faced you and I always looked at you closing your eyes and raising your hands. What if all of a sudden I said, I kind of like that. 
And I started making music where you raise your hands to Joe and started making you do that. Isn't that what a concert does today? See, really raising our hands, shouting out, that's supposed to be for God. But now we give it to man. That's why many times you'll come in church, I'll face the other way, because that's the direction you're facing. And I'm saying like how you're worshiping God, I'm worshiping God. I'm not the performer. And if we could put the instruments this way, that might be a little awkward, but that might help some of you understand. We're not here to perform for you. We're giving it to God. Amen. Let me show you through history. Now, as I show you some of these historical people in the arts that were Christians, I'm not here to justify all of their beliefs or all of their actions. There's a lot of theories that surround some of these people. I don't know who they really were. Maybe you know. Maybe you've taken a college class on that. But just hear my heart. Here is the point. Christianity didn't have an oppression to the arts. When people were Christians, the arts prospered and and when catholic church got too much in it and they started prohibiting people the reformation happened and is it any coincidence those who know your art history the greatest move of art in the modern times was the renaissance and is it any coincidence that the renaissance came out of the reformation as the christians got the dirty filthy hands of the church off everything now the artists could they could breathe again and be creative and the sciences could breathe again but up until that point Art still had a place to flourish. Let me give you a few examples. Uh, You look at Michelangelo. Look at the artwork that he did that's still famous today, the Sistine Chapels. As a matter of fact, the place that you would find the best art would be in the church. The stories of Jesus and creation, the steeples, uh, I mean, excuse me, the stained glass windows, uh, the altar, all of that, even to this day, even Protestants still say there's parts about the Roman Catholic, Lutheran, more older churches that we like because of their art. How many have ever felt that way? Don't be ashamed. You're okay. You're not a weirdy here. Some of you are afraid to raise your hand. But you know, some of us love that kind of art, stained glass. Well, we know these were Christians. How about Michelangelo, and then a a person of his day, William Shakespeare, Christians. Much of their themes were Christian worldviews. Once again, we can't get into all the details. Was it always Christian content? But what you can say is there wasn't this swearing, the vulgarity. There, there wasn't this, uh, there was sex being depicted. The Bible depicts illicit sex even at times. You know, Samson and Delilah and the things. The Bible tells true stories, but it wasn't done in, an, in a disrespectful way. It was done in a respectful way, meaning you could bring your children to watch the show, just like you would learn about Samson and Delilah, where most of the time now, any of those kind of stories on our TV, you'd have to cover their eyes because it would be done in a dirty way. They knew, by the way, perversion has always been around. So sometimes people go, well, these guys were just Christians. That was the popular thing of their day. Hello, they came out of the Roman Empire. Greece was behind them. Greek is, Greece is the one who did the place. They knew about total nudity. They actually, Greek and Roman people actually had live sex acts, live sex acts as a part of their theater. So it wasn't like there was this naivety where they didn't know how to be vulgar and perverted. No, they chose to be uh, conservative and, and, and outstanding in their culture, this was the time when women dressed modestly. Are you all tracking with me? There was a respect for those times. And that's why, side note, that's why you can look at the nude art, and I didn't want to put it up here because I didn't know how some parents would feel of the statue, David, and different things, and you don't feel that perversion that you would from pornography because they knew the body was just simply the creation of God, and they would honor it. They would honor it. See, pornography dishonors God. 
There's a difference. Some of you are going to try now to go home and find some nude art and call it honoring God. Just be careful. Let God judge you on that, okay? And kids, don't do anything without your parents' permission. But we know there's a difference between this picture right here and some love scene that we've seen somewhere else. This will never cause eroticism in you unless you just have a perverted mind already. Because there's a purity in that. And that's why their art could depict women and nudity because that's how they looked at it. it. Once again, they knew what perversion was and they weren't going for that. How about one of the more famous ones of our time today? Uh, what we talk about more, Leonardo da Vinci, Christian. Uh, these artistic works, not only were they the best of their time, but there is hardly an artist today in our time that can paint and depict as well as these men did. So it's not like, oh, they were just good back then. No, they are good in all times because they were that outstanding. Even as we were talking about a William Shakespeare, most people could not even reproduce a play today like William Shakespeare and how, how, how he was with his words, his English. He was, a, he was just a scholar of words. And so these men were outstanding, but they were Christian nonetheless. Also Beethoven, another Christian. And all of them at their different time, by the way, could have chosen to be atheists. Many people at this time were already rejecting God uh, by the 1800s. Hello, people were rejecting God. But they chose still to believe in God. Some Catholics, some Protestants. But that's not my point right now. My point is, is that they used arts and media for the purpose of glorifying God. It was something that they knew that was unto God. And then we get into more modern times. You know, Charlton Heston in the, the Ten Commandments in the 1900s, we, we look at the Ten Commandments was the top-selling movie of its time, uh, nominated, it was in the 50s, nominated for seven Academy Awards, won many of them, and Charlton Heston even went on to read the Bible on, you know, for a, a, a video reading of the Bible, an audio video of the Bible. My point was these actors, these, these uh, playwrights, these musicians, these artists felt there was no contradiction between their faith and the arts and media. And what they brought to the mountain of arts and media was something that was pure something that was clean, something that if you would listen to Beethoven, you wouldn't walk around going, I want to drop it like it's hot now. That if you would look at the art, you wouldn't want to go and do something sexually perverted. If you went and watched one of their movies. Now here's a perfect example of one of their movies not being Christian, but still being clean. Ben-Hur was another movie that he did. But Ben-Hur was a clean action movie. The example of a clean action movie coming from a Christian actor is very much seen there. It didn't have to be dirty. It didn't have to be perverse or overly violent. It could tell a great story. And let me just pause right here and say, Christians in media and entertainment don't have to put Jesus and a cross on everything they do. A Christian artist doesn't have to put a cross on every single artwork. He doesn't, uh, every Christian musician doesn't have to sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what we're learning from this is that a lot of it was that. But other times Beethoven was just singing about life. How many know there's other things that Jesus has given us other than church and religion? He's given us families. He's given us romance. There's ups and downs in our life. There's hardships. There's tons to sing about. As a matter of fact, you look at the Psalms, the Psalms sing about all those aspects of life. Let's go into modern times. Some of the things we see today, C.S. Lewis was a tremendous leader of, uh, can you put that up there, please? C.S. Lewis was a tremendous writer and Christian in the 50s, and he was a phenomenal fiction writer. 
Once again, his story doesn't say this is about Jesus and the Ten Commandments. How many have ever seen Narnia? But how many know as a Christian you knew what Narnia was about? But how many know those who are not Christians probably didn't know what Narnia was about? And some of you are here right now, you're going, I didn't know there was a message in there. Yeah, there's a message in there. The lion represents Jesus. The witch represents the devil. The kids represent humanity, the innocence being taken from them. You can go through this whole thing. C.S. Lewis was purposely telling a story that you would want to read whether you were a Christian or not because they started as books, the Chronicles of Narnia. He wanted all of England to read it whether they were Christians or not, but for everyone to get a message out of it. And first, if you're not a Christian, it gives you a message of positivity, good versus evil. But if you're a Christian or you're on the borderline, it begins to tell you that there has to be a God that is good to ultimately conquer evil like that witch and the lion witch in the wardrobe. And then we get to, you know, something that's more overtly Christian. Mel Gibson, say what you want about him. But that took some courage, didn't it? That took some courage to make a movie about Jesus, right? And do you remember how the secular media just snarled at it? Oh, they were so cruel about it. And I think a lot of the extra attention, you know, Mel Gibson got was because he made this movie. They leave most of those flamboyant, perverted guys alone. But the reason why I think they messed with him so much is because he took such a stand. And how many of you remember going to the movie theater and seeing that movie? I'll tell you what, I never felt that way in a movie theater before. There was something that happened in that movie theater, and it was so powerful. Not only was it happening in my life, but it was happening in the people around me. Now, if you weren't saved at that time or you missed it, you need to rent it and get it and own it. But for those of you that were around and went to those movie theaters, there were some special things happening. It showed us in our, in our generation what can happen in movie theaters with movies and, and, and acting to help bring our hearts closer to God. It really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. Now, here's some people today that are really trying to live out their faith for Jesus. I put some in the past, but mostly are still today. Now, once again, I'm not judging them. There are things that I agree and disagree about all of them, but I know it takes courage for them to put their faith out there. Like Kelly Clarkson, Jesus take the wheel. She put her faith out there that she wants to be a Christian. Now, she may be veering from that. They may be changing it. We don't know what's going on. But we know we need to pray for her because we know she's a Christian. She claims Christ. Now, there's many that claim Christ in entertainment but aren't serving the Lord. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But this was, if you're asking your pastor to give you the best who I think is out there and their different genres, she would represent country. I think she's doing the best she knows how. P.O.D., rock and roll. They admit they made some mistakes, but they started Christian and they're still Christian. Here you have Switchfoot and other rock and roll. And then you got M.C. Hammer. As, as much as he was wiling out, that represents rap. Now listen, as much, as much as he wasn't perfect, he lost a lot of his money. And uh, I knew people that knew him uh, that tell his story, and I've heard his story since then. The bottom line is he still sang a song about praying. The bottom line is he was still putting it out there. Not like a Kanye West where the whole other part of the album was dirty. MC, MC Hammer's albums weren't dirty. Are you guys listening to me? You know, uh, you know dun, 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 dun. Don't touch this. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing dirty in that. But you see all, can you, do you see a song like that today? Rapping? No, they don't sing like that. Jonas Brothers, say what you want. But on Disney's promoting virginity, saying that they love the Lord. And then there's another rock group, the Fray. Obviously, you can tell where my attention is. Three out of those are rock groups. How about this? Thomas Kincaid. 
one of the best artists of our day. One out of 20 homes have artwork by Thomas Kincaid. You may have something in a book on your, in your bathroom or on a, a window seal and not even know that's who it is. Thomas Kincaid, one of the most popular home decor artists today, is a Christian. A Christian loves the Lord. And I can speak from him that he has a phenomenal walk with God. And by the way, Switchfoot has a phenomenal, Switchfoot to me would be the most outstanding of those guys up there. Switchfoot has a phenomenal walk with God. They do worship and many things. And Thomas Kincaid. But how about I show you some people that didn't use the arts and entertainment as a platform for God, but they used it for their own selfish desires. They traded what God gave them and they did it for me, 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 me. How about uh, Katy Perry making uh, lesbianism and bisexuality popular with the song, I Kissed a Girl. Do you know that she came from a minister's family? And still to this day, Katy Perry's parents are ministers praying for her and doing ministry all around the world. You can look them up. You can see them online. Katy Perry's parents were ministers. She sang in conferences, places just like this, led worship, spirit-filled, gifts of prophecy, just like us. But she walked away. Marilyn Manson. Did you know that he went to an Assembly of God church in the youth group? He was a part of the youth group, but he turned his back on God. You know that uh, this you know, Jessica Simpson, that her dad was a pastor, and she was singing in church, doing Christian things? But when they had the chance to travel, he stopped pastoring, became her manager, and traded what God was wanting to do for what the world wanted. Little Wayne still to this day calls himself a Christian. Still to this day, he says he reads his Bible, and there are famous pastors that say they've done Bible studies with them. And yet you look at his albums, and they're some of the most vulgar, distasteful albums. Nothing against his tattoos or where he's been from. I've been from New Orleans. A lot of people look like this in New Orleans from where they've grown up. We could accept him like that. But his music is some of the most vile and dirtiest music around, and yet he still claims to be a Christian. God have mercy. Tom Hanks, one of the famous actors of our day. All the feel-good movies, most of them coming from Tom Hanks. Do you know that Tom Hanks uh, was an evangelical Christian that was preaching door-to-door with his youth group, fully in love with Jesus, but he got disappointed, he got hurt, he gave up on God, and he tried to find another way? How about Elvis Presley, probably the king of rock, the best-known American artist of our time, probably even greater than uh, uh, Michael Jackson, time will tell. Do you know that he sang? in the Assembly of God Church, leading worship like Adam. So imagine Adam, with all the gifts and talents he has, Adam trading it as a young man, going to L.A., going to Nashville. That's what Elvis did, and by the time he was in his 20s, he lived that lifestyle that he lived. See, Adam's making a choice to do it for God, but he made a choice to do it for the world. Brad Pitt, do you know that Brad Pitt was brought up in a fundamental Baptist conservative home? Baptist fundamental, conservative, Christian family, but he also turned his way from God. And uh, R. Kelly learned to sing in the church. That's a Chicago loco, you know. Learned to sing in the church. But And so many in the gospel industry learned to sing in the church. And yet they've turned their back on God. And they'll still say we're, they're a Christian. And you might say, Joe, well, you can't judge them. Why do you give grace to the others? Well, I like to look at the rest of their albums. And when they have to have an explicit sign on their album, there's a big problem. At least Kelly Clarkson and some of these other don't have explicit signs. See, MC Hammer didn't need an explicit sign on his album. Some of these guys still claim to be Christians but have explicit signs. That means it's going to be vulgar. Are you guys listening to me? So, you know, I can't judge only but by their words, and that's what I'm judging by. And then lastly, probably the richest uh, woman or one of the richest women in our day and age, Oprah Winfrey. 
born and raised in church, went to church many, many years of her life, and she said she stopped going when they talked about God judging people out of his jealousy that if you didn't serve God, you would be in hell for eternity. That turned her off, and she turned her back on God. Now just look up here for a moment and think about the countless others that are missing from this list that came from Christian backgrounds and ask yourself this question. What would happen if they used their mountain of influence for Jesus? How many people do you think little Wayne would influence if he just sung songs like MC Hammer or even Cleaner and talked about God doing the right thing? You know, I think it's such a hypocritical thing because I would see it in New Orleans and it's still happening to this day. These rappers will come into the high schools and talk to the kids. How hypocritical is that? The kids are realizing, I don't care what you tell me right now. I listen to your album. All your album tells me is money, money, money. My friends, they have wasted their influence. Now let me give you some stats. Because right now, right before I even put this up, right now some of you might get disconnected. You might be like, oh, I just unplugged, Pastor. I mean, you're talking about them. You're talking about them. Look at your neighbor and say he's going to talk about you now. Yeah, because I know you're not a movie star. I know you're not on TV. And you might have got a little distracted, but I want to talk about you right now. Let me give you some stats to think about. The average American, what you are, watches four hours of TV every day. I'm going to say that again. The average American, we are average Americans here, spend four hours watching TVs a day. What does that come out to? 28 hours a week, two months per year, 24 hours straight days, two months total per year watching TV. By the time an American is 65 years old, They will have spent nine years glued to the TV. See, it gets quiet when I preach like this. Because you're trying to think to yourself right now, I don't know if I watch TV that much. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. Nine nine years of our life will be wasted in front of TV. Number three, TV is on an average of six hours and 45 minutes in the U.S. home a day. If you think about it, it's just on the whole time. It's just on. Even with my house, it's on. Whether it be veggie tales, it's it's on. Number four, look at this. This will blow your mind right here, parents. Number of minutes per week that parents spend in meaningful conversations with their children. Per week, the average child spends 3.5 minutes talking to their parents. Oh, no, Ma, i got to do this. No, Ma, okay, let's sit down and watch TV. No, well, let's, let's have a dinner. Oh, but keep the game on. 3.5 minutes a week. Number of minutes per week the average child spends watching TV, 1,680. How many know some parents are turning off the TV today? Come on, parents, fight for your children's time. Let me just talk to the parents for a minute. If you don't give that time to them, somebody else will take it. If you don't give it, somebody else will take it. You're trying to teach them to be virgins. You're trying to teach them to be responsible, trying to teach them to do the right thing. TV is quadrupling that time, and they're telling them the exact opposite. Fight for that time. Number, uh, excuse me, percentage of four- to six-year-olds when asked to choose between watching TV and spending time with their fathers, 54%, more than half, said, I'll watch TV instead. I have watched this happen. 
I have seen this happen with relatives, family, my family and I, we're fighting against it, but I've, I've seen it happen with relatives where, no, I don't want to spend time with mom and dad. I would rather watch TV. God have mercy. Number seven, hours per year, the average American youth spends in school, 900 hours. So students, you will be in school this year, 900 hours. You know the amount of hours that you'll watch TV for this year? 1,500. You will spend almost double the amount of time in front of TV and entertainment than you will in school. Why do you think they know more about their favorite TV show than they know about the founders of America? Why do you think they know more about Little Wayne and their favorite sporting event than they know about government making money and being successful in business? Because of where they're putting their time. The numbers of murders, people being murdered on TV, that a child will see by the time they finish elementary school, that's fifth grade, they will have watched 8,000 people die on TV by the time they've turned fifth, in fifth grade. By the time a teenager is 18 years old, they will have watched 200,000 murders on TV. Do you have any idea what this does to the minds of the people in our country? Do you now know why we are seeing things in this country that we've never seen before? Columbine? Why? Because they play these violent video games. They see murder all the time. There's not anything that horror movies won't do anymore. And it's so easy for these kids to get it that blood and gore does not make many kids uh, turn away anymore. Many kids can see blood and gore and it not even be a problem. And you've got to go back to old days. It wasn't like these olden days. It was all just clean and everything. You would watch people get hung in the middle of your village. You would watch beheadings. But you watch maybe four or five beheadings in your life. Every time you see it, you're going to go like this. You watch 200,000, you'll just be like, what's the big deal? And then when you get in a fight, instead of just punching, no, you want the beheading now. No, you want to shoot. Instead of just shooting one, you want to shoot up a whole school. And instead of violence just being, you know, one guy getting punched, I mean, we all used to pick on. I was picked on, and I got, I got picked on, and I did pick it on. But nothing like what you just saw here in Chicago with that Asian young man. I mean, that was a continual violent beatdown. I mean, just, I mean, normally it would be a couple of kids would jump you, you'd get punched and kicked. I mean, you weren't, you did something dumb. Okay, it's over. Okay, that was rare just but up until a few years ago. But when that would happen, that would be it. They did it for three minutes continually over and over and over again. And the part that's not even the worst about it, the worst part about it is they put it on YouTube to entertain their friends and people in this country because they knew it would be entertaining to people. Here these young people could have put a video of them witnessing to somebody, them sharing their faith, doing something great for God, and yet they put a video up that they weren't even thinking in their, dude, the guy's an idiot. You got your face on camera. You're going to get arrested. They were so deceived. They were like, look how much attention we're going to get. Look how many hits we're going to get. They were proud of themselves. It was actually a shock to them that they got arrested. And I guarantee you right now, if you would go into those court cases, those kids are going to be trying to plead out going, well, we were just doing it because everybody did it. And it really wasn't that big of a deal because this is what we saw on TV. I guarantee you they're going to try to say it wasn't that big of a deal. My friends, what has happened to us? The media has taken over with a few. Have you ever noticed that on every TV show that has a homosexual, they're always the smart one? 
The homosexual is always the intuitive one. It's always the one that's teaching everybody something. But have you ever noticed the religious one is the idiot? The Christian one is the stupid one? Have you ever noticed on the shows that the policemen, the dads on sitcoms, they're always the dumb ones, but the kids, the teenagers, the smart Alex, they're always the smart one? Why is that? Because what's happening is corrosion in our media is trying to get us to believe satanic principles. You might say, Pastor, you got young, you're young, you got spiky hair, you got an iPad, you're telling us, yes, I'm telling you this. The guy who owns an Xbox, PS3, Wii Nintendo, the guy who plays all the games, the guy who knows probably most of the artists you guys listen to, the movie. I am telling you, it is so devastating right now that you have to watch out what you're watching and you have to make a decision what you're going to do. Let me give you three ways to make a difference right now. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Number one, remove all unclean entertainment from your house. You need to go and do some cleaning right now. I cannot give you a list of everything that I would recommend here today. If you want it, I'll send it to you. But here's a couple quick things I want to give to you. Get out anything that has to do with witchcraft. Some, of, some people ask, well, what about, uh, you know, what, what about Twilight? I think that's walking the line. Some pastors may say it's okay. Some would not. I would say choose the ones because if there's pastors that are saying there's some issues here because I've already read some things that pastors are saying they're seeing it come up in their young people, I would trust them than just listen to the pastors that say, oh, we're not having any trouble. So in my house, we, cannot, we do not watch that. We will not watch Twilight in my house. So Twilight. Harry Potter, things of witchcraft, I personally do not watch in my house. If you want to know, that's where I draw the line to those things and everything else afterwards. Anything rated R that has nudity, throw it out. Anything that teaches overt disrespect, throw it out. Any music that has explicit lyrics on it, throw it out. Parents, you can't look at CDs anymore like you used to because your, your kids have them on iPads and, and uh, uh, what do we call this thing? An iPhone, but what do we call what's on there? iPod, thank you. Look at the iPods. You have to look at their phones. And you've got to go through it. And we're going to pray that God will teach you. And if you have any questions, talk to our youth pastor because he'll let you know the questionable things that you need to watch out for on your kids' music. Because I will say to you, Ishmael will say to you, many people who are older here will, will admit to this younger generation it was music that led us down the road of drugs, Sex and those things. It was. It started with music. It started with music, the music videos. It tantalized us, and that's why we ended up where we did. Look at what the Bible says in Psalms 101, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, I will sing of your love and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. See, be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Thank you. When will you come to me? I will walk in my house with blameless heart. I will set no vile thing before my eyes. This week, do some house cleaning. Of course, pornography needs to go away. Rated R movies that are dirty, filthy, horror movies, witchcraft, get rid of them. Music that is, that is vulgar, get rid of it. You'll be happier for it. Amen? If you have any questions, we'll help you. We're not trying to be legalistic. We're just giving you our advice. Now, pastor's advice is just advice. It's not a command. When I give you commands of the Bible, they're commands. But I'm giving you my advice, so it's a choice. But when you start seeing these things go wrong in your house, you're going to know one of the first places I'm going to ask you to look is the music, the TV, and what you're letting them read and, uh, read and be on on the Internet. Number two, buy, watch, and support clean entertainment and art. 
How many know they can't make money, Little Wayne, a Hangover 2, uh, whatever movie is out there, unless we buy it? If we don't buy it, they can't make money off of it. They'll stop selling it. So stop buying it. Stop buying Little Wayne, young people. Stop buying the rap music. Older people, stop downloading those rated R movies. Stop buying those magazines that are distasteful towards women. Stop buying it. Stop supporting them. They'll get the hint after a while. And as a matter of fact, rated R movies are at an all-time low right now as a whole. Because people are just getting sick and tired of the vulgarity. A lot of people are starting to go back towards family movies. Some of the best-selling movies are PG movies because people are just getting tired of it. Philippians 4.8, whatever is, uh, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is ever anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, do I believe that there are gray areas where each person will decide? Absolutely. Maybe somebody here likes Gladiator and Patriot and uh, Black Hawk Down, and, and, and they understand that the violence in there is a realistic depiction or it's not a glorification. Okay, well, that's fine. Maybe there's somebody here that says, you know, I let my kids listen to, uh, you know, uh, whatever type, uh, uh, Miley Cyrus and some of these. Okay, that's fine. But here's the thing. If you're not careful, they will start to slip in things like Miley Cyrus and these others will start to slip in songs and behaviors. Movies will start to slip in things that if you're not careful, before you know it, it's comfortable to you. Like the old adage of boiling a frog. If you put a frog in hot water, it will eventually jump out. But if you put it in cool room temperature water and just click up those degrees, little by little by little, that frog will stay in there till you boil its insides and it will die. Because a little bit, a little bit, just like a little bit of rat poison over time will kill you. If I give you a lot, it will kill you. But if I give you a little, it won't kill you immediately. But just a little bit over time, that's how some wives have tried to poison their husbands. Are you listening to me, my friends? A little bit of poison over time will kill you. I want to show you this in just a moment. And then number three, for those that are on the mountain of this, you may feel called to this. Create wholesome art and media. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Come on, is there any Christian artist in here? Do it for God. Amen. Amen. Christian singers, Christian musicians, Christian producers. Just because you're in the Christian, uh, because you're a Christian and you're in the secular world, like I said, everything doesn't have to be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Most people don't even know Switchfoot is a Christian band, The Fray, because they're presenting music that everybody can enjoy, but their principles are Christian, just like the businessman. He, you know, when you walked into my dad's business, there wasn't an altar and a cross and thank you for coming, Jesus loves you, but the principles by which he ran his business were Christian. And when he was in the appropriate setting, then he would say, we're Christian. And these bands will do that. We're Christians. We're here making music for everybody, but we're Christian. We're, we're, uh, you know, we're actors. We're acting in movies that everybody else is in, but we're Christians. I can't remember what actor it was, but they wanted him to do a sex scene that was very just gross and vulgar. And he said, no, I won't do it. I'm a Christian. And they mocked him for it. I was thinking about, you know, artists. And a lot of churches right now, they have time of prophetic art. Well, they'll do artwork while the worship is going on. The artist will draw out a picture. I was at my dad's church, and this picture was drawn. And you may not be able to see it very well. If you could turn down the stage lights so they could see it better. This is a picture of the buildings of New York on fire. 
with some people here crying and holding each other. And in the scriptures, John 16, 33, and it says, I'm with you. Don't get discouraged. Uh, you'll have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I'll overcome the world. You know when this was painted? Two weeks before 9-11. Two weeks before 9-11. Music can have a powerful impact on people's life, but so can art. Here is a person that was in a church, and they have like their thing set up right here to the side. Maybe we'll do it one day. And, they, and while the music is worshiping, they're getting prophetic images like their dreams, and they're drawing it out. That was two weeks before 9-11. Buildings on fire, people holding each other, and a scripture of encouragement. Would you stand up with me, please, today? Remove all the junk from your house. Only support that which you can do with a clear conscience and create wholesome art and media. And ask yourself this question. If Jesus was with me, would he want to listen to this or watch this or look at this? You know why? Because Jesus is with you. I want to encourage those here today to have a creative edge. Would you just turn down the stage lights and play the video uh, for me, please, in the background. As we get ready to play this video in the background, I want you to look up here at the video and hear my voice as I dare for read. us. Do you know the world that we live in was created by God? Do you know how beautiful and awesome this world is? God can still create beauty in the arts and the media. This is his canvas. The universe, the stars, the planets. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for the cheap imitations of the devil. We are in a universe with countless galaxies, countless stars. And who created that? Our God. Who can create the best music? Our God. Who can create the best art? Our God. Who can create the best movies, the things that could touch our hearts? Our God. My friends, as you look out at the world around you and the universe and the place that we live in, does it not put you into awe? And as this begins to zoom out, you can begin to see the greatness of our galaxy among the other galaxies, among the universe. Don't let the devil take this from us. Don't let the devil fill you with depression. Do you know that there's people that get depressed because of a football team? Hey, can I just keep it real for a little bit? I've heard some men say that they can't even go to work on Monday if they lost, if their team lost because they'll be so depressed. I've heard young people go as far as committing suicide at the extreme, but some young girls have cut themselves, done all of these things because of what they see musicians do. Some have even committed suicide because of what musicians talked about. Because that song, Suicide Trained by Ozzy Osbourne, and some people committed suicide to it. There's people that cut themselves because Marilyn Manson was cutting himself. and They were destroying their body. People did that because of music. And yet we come from a beautiful creation. We come from a God who created everything beautiful. Don't let entertainment and media destroy the beauty of what God created. Amen? Altar workers, would you come? If you're going to want some junk removed out of your hard drive today, out of your mind, they're going to be up here to pray for you. If you want some of that entertainment that you've seen to be taken out, we're going to pray for you. And then if you need prayer for anything else, 
But let's celebrate the God who creates everything. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today that we learned that arts and media belong to you and that through you we can make the right choices and that, Lord, you're going to use this mountain and this generation to touch people's lives. We pray for more wholesome entertainment and art, beauty that draws people to you. And God, wash our minds of the filth we've seen. Guard our families from things that the devil's trying to plant into their lives. And today, Lord, we pray for your blessing upon each person's life. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Can we bless the Lord? Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. But we're going to worship up here. And if you need prayer for anything, especially if you just need some of that junk removed, we're up here for you today. And if